Welcome, everybody, to episode two of the Mighty Alaskans. You have Mighty Alaskan Ute. Yes, and Alaskutan. And Mighty Alaskan Cougar, right? Did, did you change your name to Mighty Alaskan Cougar? Uh, n- not in, not publicly, no. Oh, okay. Oh, so was, <laughs> okay, you're still in the closet on that. Okay, Alaskutan representing the BYU Cougars. Yes, and actually, I don't know if you were aware of this. Our, our official podcast name is the North and Gold Podcast. Yeah, I was aware of that. I tattooed it on my arm. Man. Sweet. That would be awesome. Yeah. I I checked last time we had 27 listeners on our very first episode. And I think if you compare us to like the big well-known podcast, that's not great. But I think if you average that, everyone who ever attempts a podcast, I'd say that's pretty good. That is good. I'm just going to I'm just going to say each one in the millions. And uh man, we're, that's good. We're good. Yeah. We're famous. Well, if we just get the downlines going, all 27 of you need to tell six friends. Don't don't rope me into your MLM scheme here, buddy. That's not my. It's too late. You're you're already in. People are just gonna fall in love with us, man. That's what they're gonna do. They're gonna fall in love with our a our sarcasm and b our our football knowledge, which is deep, expansive, and incredible. I I think your knowledge of football is deep and expansive, and mine is incredible, as in like not credible. But ching dad joke. I feel terrible because everybody else, everyone on Twitter is going crazy because your fall camp started today. My fall camp starts tomorrow. And so many people are like, yes, I can't wait. And they're drinking it all in. And here I am. I've got like, like the Alaskan summers are just epic. And I've only got a few more weeks. And yeah, I like football, but I'm like, I got other things to do. So I, I don't know if I'm going to be that depth of knowledge that people are going to be counting on. We're just going to have fun. That's why I struggle with every year is because I love summer so much. You know, when you're sitting through January and February, and it's terrible. You dream of the warm nights where you can walk outside or you can go camping, go mountain biking, whatever. And I hate wishing summer away for football. Yeah. But I end up doing it because once August rolls around, all I can think about is that first game, and I just want August to get over with. I, I feel like by the time the first game gets here, I'm ready to jump all in because the kids are back in school. I'm not taking these long weekend trips anymore. So it, we're just about there. A few more weeks. Okay. Well, you, you keep enjoying nature's beauty up there. I will scour the two deeps for you. <laughs> you do double duty and let me know how BYU is going to do. Hey, let me ask you this to start us off. Where would you rank your family in in terms of families all time? We're talking about a family bracket here, like a family ranking. Yeah, just how you how you feel about your kids, your wife. I mean, <laughs> you put you guys in the top like fifty percent, top like where where do you fit? Uh, I I'd probably have to break that down by kid. My my <laughs> <laughs> my middle kid's number one for sure. Uh, okay. My, my my third child, he's kind of dumb. And kind of obnoxious, so I, I don't know. Family as a whole, it's top, you know, top 80%. You're in the top 80? 80%. Here's the thing. Here's what I say, Benji, about my kids. I love my kids, right? I love my kids, but they're like crack. I need them in small doses, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't go more than a day without my kids. I miss them when I'm on vacation. But, you know, after like 45, 50 minutes, it's like, okay, I've had enough for the day. So just right, little right. doses, day by day. That's the best way to handle my kids and handle <laughs> That's good. being a father. And that ba- this totally backfired on me because I was expecting you to say we're the best family of all time, and I'd say yes. When you love something and you're passionate about them, it's okay to go a little overboard in your praise of them. 
but but you actually gave a very like accurate and like a, a realistic answer and i like that yeah i knew you're setting me up for something <laughs> i was because i think i have no problem with jeff grimes saying that he's got the best offensive staff that byu has ever had i like that i i think he looks at them like this is my family best we've ever had <laughs> And and I'm not going to hold that against him, despite what oh, uh, statistics might say after this season. Hmm. And you know what? Maybe Jeff Grimes is like my family, top 80%. You know, so that means out of 120 college football teams, you're in the top 80%. That's that's incredible, dude. Just like you broke it down by kid, he's going to be like, you know what? My running backs coach. Let me tell you about him. Let me <laughs> tell you about my wide receivers coach. He might have some favorites and less favorites, and, and it's very it's seldom for a staff to remain a hundred percent together year in year out. Uh, yeah. You know, your kids. I, I would expect and hope that you don't start kicking them out and adding new ones in based on how the year goes. But oh, I've got a paper chain for when my youngest turns eighteen, and as soon as, <laughs> as soon as he turns eighteen, I rip that last piece of chain off the wall. Game over, bro. Time to. Are you taking off? Are you going to do some traveling? What's your What are you doing after that? <sighs> you know what? We we've been traveling a lot lately. Um, last couple of years, we went to Italy, went to New York without kids, right? And I just forgot how awesome it is to do things without kids. So yeah, once they're gone, boom, we're going to travel quite a bit. Do whatever you want. Yeah, that is that's where I have set that as the the next opportunity to possibly not live in Alaska. Like I've decided I'm going to raise all of my children here and I don't want to, and kids are fine if they're moving around from time to time, but I've, we moved around a lot before moving to Alaska. And I said, okay, we're going to, we're going to put roots down. And when the last one leaves home, maybe we'll go find out where the rest of them live and, and live closer to them. We've, we've ventured a little bit off topic though. That, that this, this is not just a football podcast. This is life nuggets of life wisdom you get from us right it is if, if they want if they want to go listen to a podcast where they break down x's and o's and they break down play charts that's fine but that's not us man we are entertainment right. we are sports we are religious we're, we're everything rolled into one little breakfast burrito you know yes and we're full of surprises we are we really are like that surprise where you tried to goat me into setting me up and I dodged it, man. <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah. The point. The point I wanted to make too. I didn't even go there. Here's the point I wanted to make because we're we're talking about Jeff Grimes and his comments now, which is now like three weeks old. This is the problem with me, like saying, "Well, I'm going to get back on my podcast," and then two weeks goes by and nobody cares anymore. But listen, coaching staff. Let me hear your your take. Your offensive coaching staff or defensive, whatever you coaching staff. Where does it rank among the history of Utah coaching staffs? Staffs, staffs. It's hard to do. I mean, that's hard to do. You know, like in the Kyle Whittingham era. You know, maybe maybe we should go with that because he's been the coach for. You know, twelve years now or whatever we're going on. Um, I All would right. say I can work his, with that. His best coordinator offensively was one that was really maligned early on, which was Andy Ludwig. Everyone was always mm-hmm. like sick of Ludwig, fire Ludwig. That's because we just had Urban Meyer's well-oiled machine for two years, right? Um, but yeah. It turns out Andy Ludwig was was really good if you look back at the stats comparatively to what we've had with the other plethora of offensive coordinators. In fact, that 2008 year, we were in the top 12 in scoring offense in the country, and we haven't been close to that since then. So I would say in the Kyle Whittingham era, I would say that Ludwig was probably our best offensive coordinator just based on those results. Uh-huh. But I, I've got a lot of hope for Troy Taylor. I think uh, I think he showed flashes last year of having a, having a, a unique, cool offense, and we got so many playmakers on the, on the offense this year that – you never, you know. I think we can. I think it can be really good this year. So I'd say best 
Best uh, offense core is Ludwig. Best defensive coordinator under Witt. I mean, we've had good ones. Uh, Pease was good. Uh, Sataki was good. Anderson was good. We've had a lot of good court defense. Do you think, if I'm going to throw this statement out there, fact or fiction, an average staff in 2018 is superior to the best staffs 20 years ago, 1998? Um. Do you want my honest answer, or am I trying to see if you're building me up to something again? I'm, I'm definitely building up. Well, we already know where I'm going with that. Yeah, give give me your honest answer. I do. Well, you know, honestly, probably there's. I mean, they have so much more, uh, so many more tools now to work with. From you know, mm-hmm. the just being able to view film on their phone or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, to be able to scouting to the technology to map uh-huh. out players' um, tendencies and and I think they're yes, definitely a lot more prepared now. And, and better now than they were 20 years ago when it was like, just strap on your helmet and go, boys, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The eye test was everything. And now it, their money ball has worked its way into everything. The algorithms they're using, the high, you know, the analytics. I, I would imagine, I'm not a coach, but if they're not using that, then they're missing a huge opportunity. That's yeah. got to be everywhere. Yeah. One thing, uh, two things I've, I've learned from um, Jordan Pendleton. One, he was really mad not too long ago, during the middle of last year, I think that players, BYU players, were eating Cheerios for breakfast. And that kind of caught me off guard because when I eat breakfast, it's like Cheerios is my healthy choice. And yeah, wait, what are you throwing at me here? Now I'm starting to work. I, I, Chick-fil-A biscuit, bro, that's yeah. my go-to. So well, Cheerios is like eating kale for me. What I got from that is the game has evolved so much that if an athlete is taking the game seriously, they're going to be taking their nutrition seriously and their training, and the coaches are going to say you can't eat Cheerios and, and this and that. And then the second thing I learned from him, uh, that little video clip when probably halfway between – when Britton Covey got home from his mission, and now there's just a clip of him running on this treadmill. And it was this futuristic treadmill. I'd never seen anything like it. It like had this curve on it to where his feet were like... And, and I looked at that, and I was like, wow, the game is evolving. These are like equipment, nutrition, all these things they never had before. Dude, it is. It's totally different. It's a totally different game. I mean, it's year-round now, starting mm-hmm. in Little League. I mean, if you're, it seems like if you haven't, as a kid picked what sport you're going to specialize by the time you're 10, you're screwed because you're behind the curve on everyone else. Baseball mm-hmm. is year-round. Football training camps are year-round. Passing leagues yeah. year-round. Basketball year-round. It's like, dude, when we played, it was like I'd play basketball from October to January, then get ready for baseball for in the spring, and then football in the fall. You know, that's that was yeah. my sport. Yeah. It, it, but now it's like, dude, it's year round, and you're traveling outside of your state for tournaments, and it's yeah, it's, right. So to, basically, to, to in a long roundabout way, yes, the coaching is better now because they have mm-hmm. better tools, better technology, better knowledge. Well, so yeah, the point, and you already know where I was going with Jeff Grimes saying we're the best offensive staff BYU has ever had. E, I'd backpedal that a little bit, but if they go head to head, because everybody was citing Lavelle Edwards and and everyone, and Lavelle was great, not to take away from him. Head-to-head, though, the game has evolved, so he might not be as crazy as that statement sounds. Now, if you were to say, compared to our peers, yeah, he's way off. I mean, Lavelle brought the championship to BYU, so the only way you could be better is to bring two of them. And so I'm I'm okay if he does that, but yeah, and the truth is you I don't can't, think he will. Honestly, you can't compare eras, man. Right. Because just going by your analogy, if you take Lavelle or Norm Chow and put him in, in today's environment with the technology, the nutrition, the training oh, – yeah. The video, you know, who knows? Maybe they'd be wizards, you know? And yeah, that's so true. It's hard to compare. It's like when people try to compare Bill Russell to LeBron James as the best ever. And it's like, dude, it's 
different eras, different yeah, different competition. You can't how, compare. How it, would so. you even ref that game? It would be different rules. So refs ruin everything. <laughs> Tell me about your camp hopes and dreams for the Utes training. What do, you, do we even call it? Summer camp or fall camp? That's how out of it I am. Dude, it's fall camp down here, okay. but it's summer camp up north where you are because you only have such a short summer. So yeah. we'll just call it camp. Camp. All right, we'll call it camp. All right. What I want is, you know what? This year, there's really not a lot of question marks for Utah going in. Usually, there's a new offensive coordinator because that's just the fact it's been under Kyle Whittingham. Usually, there's a quarterback competition. But, dude, we have our quarterback back. We have all our coordinators back. We have deep, deep running back. The really the two things that that I want to see are which wide receivers emerge out of the group from Utah uh-huh. because we have a lot of dudes there. We have Covey, Elder Covey's back from proselyting, mm-hmm. and apparently, you know, he he worked out with Jordan Pendleton all summer and got his fitness back. I, I want to see if he really is back to where he was when he left off because he's a freshman All American. Mm-hmm. We have a transfer from Texas Tech, Bronson Boyd. We have uh, Thompson, who's a who's a highly recruited. Stud receiver. We have Solomon Enos, who was um, came down to Utah and Penn State. So we have a lot of dudes there, but I want to see which one or two of these guys step up and emerge because we have yeah. eight or nine bodies, and anyone can quote a depth chart, sure. But I want to see which one of these dudes says, you know what, I'm I'm going to take this by the horns and I'm going to be the man. So that's one thing. Other thing I want to see is if our uh, our BYU JUCO system comes into play and if Bernard makes it <laughs> to, to the linebackers or if. If we have to skip that route this year, if so he makes it, oh man, that's that's an interesting. That's a dilemma for the the Ute fan that despises BYU is going to find himself in a pickle because forever you're going to be saying, oh man, there's maybe like one or two players who would start for Utah, maybe. But you now that he's there, you want him to like ball out, right? Yeah, he well he's one he's one of the one or two. Yeah, right? but if he's so the MVP, it, so we're gonna be <laughs> we'll say, look, he was pretty good for BYU, and now he's the stud on Utah's defense. See, see I mean, what happens when we coach him up. Yeah, you know <laughs> <laughs> we have him. We have him down there for a year or two. Get his feet under him, and then come up here and get our coaching in him, and look what we can do. Amazing. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I'm really happy for the guy. Watching that whole story unfold, I thought, man, that just he's not in the right place. He's not. He's not a great fit. He's not happy. So, and and I'm I'm not so much of a Utah hater that I'm like I wish him yeah. the best. I want to see him do really well. You know. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, I guess he wasn't even he wasn't at camp today. I don't know if he's got the grades or stuff. So he may not even make it. But oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, if he does make it, I mean, he'd be great. We need yeah. more linebacker depth. So, well, he's got an NFL at. future, you know. If he could stay on course somewhere, wherever he ends up, and and just ball out. I mean, he's he's built for it. And I mentally watch him play. I mean, he he can do it. He just needs to do it. Yeah, man, he's got. He's a. Uh, I think he could be. I think he'd be really good. So I, I'd like to see him make it, but. You know, if uh, if he doesn't, hopefully he's got something else going yeah. for him in life, and he can he can find his way. So, same question for you: What do you want out of out of your uh, your BYU fall camp? Or excuse me, your BYU summer camp. Summer camp. What do you want? What do you want out of your camp for you guys? <laughs> Hear me out. Hear me out, because I'm. It's gonna. Are you building up to something again to trap me again? Well, no, I'm not. I, I won't trick you. I won't trick you. But okay. the, when I answer this, you're gonna you're gonna automatically dismiss me as a crazy man. The the, the BYU fan expectations are notoriously high. And you can base that on our history. We've we've been to the pinnacle, and so anything short of that, it's it's unrealistic to expect us to get back anytime soon. The way the current college football landscape is, 
I believe there is a way, though. And this is how I would do it if I were in BYU fall camp. So I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this by talking about when Lavelle did it. They were inventing basically the forward pass. They were throwing it long when nobody was. The spread offense when it didn't exist. When Chip Kelly took Oregon there, it was a wrinkle that nobody had seen before. It was the go fast, go hard. We're not gonna let anyone catch their breath. Any team, I would say the upper fifty percent can be the next one of those if they think of something that hasn't been done before. So I've, I've spent a lot of time just when I'm driving, when I'm working on a root canal, doing whatever, and I've got my thoughts are free, thinking what is that next thing? And I'm going to declare it right here. It's the jump pass. <laughs> See, that's not next, bro. That's been around for decades and decades. I told you you'd laugh. No, it's been around as a thing that exists sometimes, like Tim Tebow will surprise them. Nobody has gone to that over and over and over and practiced around that and built their team around it and said, we're going to get tight ends. So every play? Not every play. Every play? Not every play. That's the that's where they get you. Marcus Mariota, oh, okay. he wouldn't run the ball every play, but he'd run often enough that you had to focus on him. And they wouldn't hand it to the running back every play, but they did it off enough, and that opened up so much downfield. So what I'm thinking is you reinvent the tight end position. You get guys that can be 12 feet in the air, you know, that can just just jump up there and nobody could possibly defend. <laughs> and here's I've already thought about the downfall of it, the drawback, is you got to get guys who have strong ankles and can land right. Because if they're jumping as high as they can in a busy backfield or downfield every time, they're going to get injured. So you got to work through those things. Something like that, where you get the both, number one, the jump pass and make it uh, the identity of the team. And number two laterals downfield laterals where you say okay we're gonna we're gonna just drill 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 this two pass system something crazy like this and here's why i like it we have nothing to lose like look at last year (laughs) we're not gonna be worse than that we we got nothing to lose you do that and you get good at it and suddenly defenses are scratching their heads saying okay how are we going to defend this and they they have to completely reinvent what they're doing and then it's when you catch them off guard with a traditional play Next thing you know, you're hoisting the trophy in the air, and everybody's like, man, that guy from North Pole, Alaska, he saw this coming when nobody saw this coming. Dude, this is super innovative. Okay, let's let's play with this a little bit. Two things about this. Yeah. One, you say the jump pass, you say Tim Tebow. You say jump pass, I hear Ben Moa 2003 triple overtime against Air Force, <laughs> all right? That's what I hear when I hear jump pass. Okay, so let's, let's get that out of the way. But second, <laughs> dude, about this jump pass offense, yes. let's, let's break this down. You could actually, dude, you could do it to where like you have – People shot out of cannons on the sideline. You know, <laughs> can you? I don't. I, that's probably this, like, not in the rule I book. Know. I bet you can. I mean, I don't know where this is going though. But you can make it really acrobatic. Fine, not cannons, but you got something where like the tight end runs a fl- out to the flat. The receiver stops. He puts his hands down. The tight end runs to him. He, he you know he runs yeah. and he like hoists him in the air and he does like a ba- a triple tau cow backflip. <laughs> Catches the ball. Let's make let's make this acrobatic acrobatic and fun if we're gonna do this. Okay, man. but if you're doing jump passes, let's have the tight end do jump catches and flips and stuff. Bro. Okay, but 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 when you say that, it makes it hurt even more that Britton Covey is a Ute because he's the guy that could do that. <laughs> you could you could throw him thirty feet in the air. You could, dude. That would be the that the I love it. Get in the huddle, thirty yard jump pass, acrobatic backflip. Covey, you go out, and then he just goes and does like three flips in the air. The the quarterback jumps up, 
Dude, you are on to something here, bro. This I, is incredible. I will say this seriously, though. If it's not the jump pass, and, and most likely it's not the jump pass, there will be a time in the next 10 years when a team will have won the national championship doing something innovative. And I have my idea. Someone else smarter than me out there has their idea, and I hope they get an opportunity. I don't even care what school they are. If I see an offense doing something that has not been done, I'm going to get behind that team. I'm going to say this is what I was talking about. I just I wish it was BYU. Dude, okay, I, I hope so. I hope so. But a couple things, a couple things I want to I want to make issue with. Yes, you said when you're not doing anything, you're thinking about this jump pass, like when you're quote doing a root canal. My thing is, how about you focus on that root canal, <laughs> so 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 that dude, so the patient can get done with that with no problems, and then think about your jump offense later when you're like on the toilet or something. Like, man. ow, what are you doing? Sorry, I was thinking about a jump pass. <laughs> Dude, be the sweet. jump pass offense. Okay, I'm gonna mull this over. See if I can come up with something to come. There, that that's just in case any of my patients are listening, it's it's easy to you can do one thing with your hands and have your thoughts be elsewhere during a root canal. There's other procedures that you have to think about the whole time. A root canal, there's like five minutes at a time where you're just twisting a file and feeling things. So you know you can your mind can wander, and you're still doing a great job. Uh, so so what you're saying is doing a root canal is easy. Yeah. It's and they they need to not pay you as much because really anyone can do <laughs> no, it. No, it's hypnotic. It's relaxing. Just like winning a football game. That's probably not relaxing. I'll be honest, I would probably not no. enjoy football if I was involved in football professionally. You know? I like that I can have that be my Dude. fun thing and then I just do other things. Benjamin, that is a really good point. You're super smart. Tell me what you think. It's been I love about Twitter that that everybody follows one team or the other team, but that there is some back and forth. That can be the very worst and the very best part of Twitter. Tell me what you feel about fans who are quote-unquote obsessed, or if you prefer the pronunciation, obsessed because they spell it with a U. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I really hate this thing. I hate, I hate this whole discussion uh-huh. because the whole point of college sports and rivalries is – to kind of release from normal life, you yeah. know, you're not you're not dealing with important things like financial issues or chill issues with your children or you know work work stresses. It's it's supposed to be fun, yes. right? And this is where I've always struggled is because I get so wrapped up in the the rivalry side of it that I get angry. And so over the summer, I tried to you know uh, during my sabbatical was reevaluate things and just take make it fun, make sports fun because that's what's supposed to be. But I always hate when when uh, when one one fan base says the other one, oh, you care about us more, or you're we're in your head, we're in your head. All you do is think about us. You're obsessed. I hate that because you look at other rivalries, the big rivalries, Ohio State, Michigan. I served my, my mission in in Columbus, so I was there for two years, and I I, I understood and real and, and kind of got um, indoctrinated on that rivalry there. You look at those rivalries, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida, Florida State. All these rivalries, they don't spend time telling the other person how much they think about the other person. They just make fun of each other, dude. Like, you look at today when the Ohio State news broke, Michigan fans were posting about it, but there wasn't one Ohio State fan that said, all you care about is us. No, they were just talking trash about other things. The fact is, listen, we live in a a rivalry, in a market where we are 
a half hour apart. Uh-huh. We share air, radio airwaves. We share the TV airwaves. We share the newspaper, all that stuff. And there's always going to be a rivalry, right? And so, yeah. I mean, in a rivalry, when you talk smack, you, you talk about things that you have an advantage of, and you hammer that home over and over. Right now, Utah has the advantage with the win streak and with the conference affiliation of the Pac-12. You know, I cannot tell you for decades and decades how I heard about your 1984 national championship or your Heisman Trophy winner or Doak Walker Award winner because you had the upper hand there. That's what you oh, do yeah. in rivalries. You try and mock your 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 rival and you do it with things you have advantage of. And so yeah. when someone goes off and says, you know, oh, you're just obsessed, quit watching the games. Dude, I love sports. I love watching yeah. all teams. And guess what? You happen to be my rival, so I'm going to watch you and cheer against you. So if I could, if I could make one wish for this rivalry other than – Kind of just making it fun again and, and trying to get rid of all the like the the anger and I know I was a big part of that myself too. But it would be that we could just make fun of each other and not like try and prove more obsessed because you're talking more about me than I am about you. You know? Oh, I I agree with that and I love the the you pointed out the airwaves like sports beat is that's still a thing right? Like uh, sports beat Saturday, sports beat Sunday. <laughs> it's definitely it? dying, but it's glory days or when Bowler was there. Yeah, sports beat. But. Yeah. Well, that's what I remember, and can you imagine any fan out there who's like, I love Utah, and I don't care about BYU, or vice versa. I love BYU, I don't care about Utah, and so they'll watch it, and then turn it off, and then be like, all right, it's been about three minutes, I'm going to turn it back on again so I can hear about baseball or whatever. Like, people aren't going to do that. If you you love your team, you're going to know about the other team, because you're going to be following your team, and the same people that tell you about your team are going to tell you about the other team. Exactly. And unless you're yeah. really going out of your way to say, I'm going to DVR it and make sure I'm never exposed to anything from the other school, come on. Quit. You're like you're faking it. You're lying to yourself. You're going to know about the other team, and most likely you're going to have an opinion. Now, I, I don't have anything but love in my heart for all people everywhere. Yep, you do. You really do. But I don't care when Utah loses. I don't I don't really care when they win. I honestly for me the ideal season for Utah is 6 and 6 cuz I'm like, yeah, you know, if they're doing any worse, I'd start to feel bad for the people in the Utah <laughs> fan base that I like. But, you know, if they're doing great, I'm going to start thinking about a lot of these people that do the most chirping, that are the most obnoxious and be like, "Man, I wish he couldn't say that because his team was worse, but yeah. whatever. He's a fan. I don't care. So You're too kind. Because, yeah, <laughs> dude, the truth is, in my real life, most of the people I care most about are BYU fans. My grandfather, uh-huh. who I idolized to death, played basketball and football at BYU and is a big BYU fan. My best friend, my mission companion and business partner – is a BYU fan. My bishop that I will do anything for is a BYU graduate. I have so many BYU fan friends and business associates and church friends that, dude, in real life, I, I, these are these are my my boys, you know, my people that I love and respect. And, yeah. But when it comes to just watching the game and watching them lose, it's fun because it's freaking sports, man. It's yeah, nothing yeah. serious for it's crap's sake. It's not life and death. You're right. That's uh, one of my all-time favorite quotes was from uh, one of my professors in Rexburg, of all places, who said, and this was a quote after a football game, he said to his son, it's only a game, and it's a good thing for you that it's only a game, because otherwise you'd all be dead (laughs) after a difficult loss. Yeah. I know, and I take, dude, I, I, don't get me wrong, I take losses, I mean, I, I, I get angry, and I can't focus on whatever my wife and I are doing that evening, whether it's a show or a movie. But still, dude, same thing. When I want, when I cheer for BYU to lose, it's because it's sports, and I like to make sarcastic comments about their losses. Yeah. And I think they're funny. It's not like I'm lining BYU fans up one by one and 
murdering them all, you know. But sometimes people <laughs> take, oh, you're so obsessed. You're you're the you know obsessed. Just, dude, it's just it's freaking sports. It literally has no impact on how I support my family financially, spiritually, temporally, any right. of that crap. I agree with you completely. One thing I love, I love watching the games and interacting. My, I'm constantly, and I don't even care. I I might not even try that hard anymore. I'm trying to point out to people all the time the idea behind motivated cognition. Now, when I say motivated cognition, have you heard me rant on this before? No, but I'd like to hear it. Go ahead. Okay. Don Zimmer versus Pedro Martinez. Are you familiar with Don Zimmer yeah. versus Pedro Martinez? Pedro grabbed him by his face and threw him to the ground. That was hilarious. <laughs> so so uh, are you a Yankees fan? I'm neither. I, I actually grew up a Braves fan, but then I lived in Kansas City after my mission for a while, so I became a Royals fan, but I'm not really a fan of either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Movie, that's right, that's right. So uh, this documentary called uh, Haters Anatomy of a Rivalry, they use that example. So you got Don Zimmer, who's like 70 years old, who charges the mound. So he's the manager of the Yankees, charges the mound, uh, running at Pedro, and he's running fist swinging to go hit Pedro Martinez, an athletic young pitcher for the for the Red Sox. And Pedro sort of sidesteps him and knocks him down. It wasn't really that violent, right? He just kind of was like, get out of here, old man, you know, like yeah. pushes him down. But it, I mean, you certainly could have done worse. So you take that altercation and you have room there to look at that and say, okay, he shouldn't have charged the mound and swung at him like he threw the first punch or come on, Pedro, he's like a freaking old man and you're in your prime. That's not a fair fight. Have some class. So equal arguments, I think, on both sides. Now, if you ask people who are passionate fans about one team or the other, they align perfectly with who was in the right and who was in the wrong. Yeah. That's either the biggest coincidence of all time, <laughs> or that tells us that the more passionate we are about a team, the stupider we are about things about that team or about the team that we hate. And so we see that all the time on Twitter when people are watching their team or their rival, like their opinions come out charged and they come out aligning perfectly with, but people don't realize that. They'll say, oh man, I could never support a guy who does X, Y, and Z. It's like, yes, you could. Dude, Just like per- anybody. You're not different from other people. Anyway, that's that might be the end of my rant there. No, no. A perfect example of that is like anytime Utah does anything or anytime BYU does anything, the reactions completely flip-flop based on who did what. You know, yes. For, like for example, you look at way back in the day when you had a couple nineteen-year-old Utah players in the in the bab, in the uh, hot tub per- performing baptisms. It wasn't yeah, an LDS yeah. baptism they're performing. It was they were mocking that, but BYU fans blew the freak up. You know, and conversely, oh, yeah. anytime a BYU player does something that's against the honor code or against the LDS church, uh-huh. the Ute fans, me included, blow the freak up. It's, yeah, just, yeah. It, it's a funny because it, it, no matter what it is, if you switch the color of the jersey, the reactions would completely flip-flop, and I know I'm guilty of it. But that goes back to me just, yeah. just having fun, liking to make fun of BYU because they're my rival, man. I'm, off the top of my head right now, I don't remember who said it. I'll, I'll try and credit who said it. Somebody like a year ago said, I'm old enough to remember when BYU fans were the self-righteous ones. And I was like, ooh, that's a good tweet because it's like that's what BYU fans get accused of all the time is their self-righteousness. But, yeah, you're right. Anytime they stumble, uh, there's a lot of self-righteousness going the other way too. So oh, there it's, is. Dude. It's, there how they're, is. it's how they're equally on both sides. It's, it's, it is. It's equal on both sides, and it all comes down to, like you said, the color of the jersey, you know? Yeah. That's what it comes yeah, down to. Yeah, motivated cognition. And yes, I will never I stop plugging this. If you have a chance to watch 
Anatomy of a Rivalry. Haters, Anatomy of a Rivalry. I don't even know where you can find it. I caught it on TV once and was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen, maybe next to Saving Private Ryan. Like, really good stuff. (laughs) Is that your favorite movie? Your number one all-time favorite movie? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Gladiator's up there, but... Both those are my top ten, yeah. My number one, though, is Braveheart. It'll always be Braveheart until something else comes along. Braveheart was... Yeah, that's a that's a good choice. All right, man. Well, we could we could go off on all kinds of tangents, but you know what? And we will eventually. Sometimes you guys, most of you maybe don't know this. Both Jake and I, Mighty Alaskan Dewitt and Alaskutan, are recipients of organs. So check yes on that box to become an organ donor. Otherwise, Jake would not be here, and I would still be here, but I wouldn't be able to walk very well, which would kind of suck. So do that yep i would be i would be on the other side my man thanks to my brother shout out to nice to my brother josh coming up on 20 years dude this december will be 20 years since my kidney transplant and when i got the kidney the doctor said it'll last about 10 so i'm i'm almost 10 years overdue bro sweet okay thanks for tuning in Yep. Check in with us next time when we'll talk about something that happened in in uh, fall camp or summer camp and uh yeah we'll break it down for you Go Utes. Go Cougars.